Hi, and welcome to Writing on Wednesdays, a podcast about building a healthy and sustainable writing process from beginning to end, but mostly in the middle. I'm Nicole Rokas, an author, speaker, and writing coach in Toronto. And I'm Sarah Bariza, a musician and writer living in St. Louis. So you know that end stage of a project where you're kind of just scrambling to get to the finish line, no holds barred? That's where I'm at, and will be at for the next six weeks or so as I finish my book manuscript. So today we're talking about... 10 things to do or think about doing to stay sane when finishing a massive project. Plus, Sarah will talk about the best thing on our phone's home screen and we'll share a quick update on our respective writing projects. So get your pens ready, pull up a chair, and join us for a weekly Wednesday writing date. Let's get right into the thick of it, a part of the show where we focus in on one idea, strategy, or topic as it pertains to the writing process. So Nicole, will you lead us in? Yeah, so Sarah, uh, Every episode, we switch off on the topics, on choosing the topic. So sometimes you choose topics, other times I choose topics, and it was my turn. And I had some of these heavy-hitting topic ideas uh, that would require some research and stuff on my part. And then last night, I'm like, you know what? I don't have brain space for this because I'm going insane (laughs) because I'm trying to finish this (laughs) book. So then I was like, well, what do I want to talk about? And I realized I just want to talk about staying sane (laughs) because that's that's kind of the name of the game at this point for me. My book is due in, in uh, about six weeks, so really in the home stretch here. So what we're going to do is we're each going to share five strategies for how to stay sane heading to the end of a massive project. And uh, why don't we just kind of switch off? Does that sound good to you? Yeah, Nicole, why don't you start off with number one? Okay, so strategy to stay sane, number one, tend to the basics. And this is like the bottom level of Maslow's hierarchy of need. Keep taking care of food, water, sleep, showers, etc. For me, this means eating lower-carb breakfasts and lunches with a lot of protein and fat in them, which fuels brain power throughout the day. It means not over-caffeinating in the morning, despite the fact that I might get like a bigger surge of energy right when I drink a bunch of coffee, but in the long run, it's going to take me off track. Yeah, that's not sustainable energy. No, it's not. It means uh, taking my vitamins, getting sunlight during the few hours in Canada when we have sunlight right now, (laughs) and it means going to sleep early. I find that um, when I'm really in crunch time mode, I need more sleep than usual. And it's not – people say, like, you know, wake up early and write, et cetera. Well, actually, for me, I need to do the opposite and make sure I'm getting more than the usual amount of sleep. It's just somehow – for some reason, that's how my brain works. I think sometimes – Sometimes when we're in the midst of a big time crunch, it's easy to say, oh, I'm just going to eat pizza. And I'm I'm speaking from experience that in a really stressful season, like even though it can be really hard to prioritize the basics, the food, the water, the sleeping, that is absolutely vital to keeping yourself healthy and maintaining your energy uh, through the finish line. For sure. I remember when I was writing my dissertation in the at the end stage of that project, I just happened to be living with my Greek mother-in-law, long story. But she would like, I'd be writing for hours or researching or reading for hours and totally in the zone. And she would just show up at regular intervals, you know, every two hours with a plate of fruit that she had peeled and cut. So all I needed to do was eat it. Or she would show up with like a plate of fried calamari and feta and tomato salad. You know, just your routine snacks and fried calamari. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she would like wait there until I had eaten it. And I, it would, at times it was a little frustrating because it would kind of take me out of my zone. 
but I look back on that and I'm like so thankful because, you know, I, it helped just keep my brain power going. Mm -hmm. And it helped you not get sick because you're like, you know, she was taking, helping you take care of your body. Yeah. Yeah. So strategy number two is adopting a nine to five mentality in as much as possible even and especially at the end stage. And I don't mean like literally nine to five, it might be eight to four or nine to seven or whatever your working hours are. And your working hours might include things besides writing as do mine right now. Do you mean putting like boundaries around your working time and saying, this is my working time and this is my not working time? I mean, treating writing like a job. Mm, Yeah. A job that you have healthy boundaries with. So not the kind of job where you're working 80 hours a week. Yeah. A job that ends at a certain time of day. Yeah. And I think that regularity is also important. Like, I think that there's something to be said for knowing, okay, I need to start working now. Or, okay, well, it's the end of the day and I'm done and I get to be done. This is a little more complicated for me because I just took a second job, which I would not suggest doing when you're finishing a book. But... (laughs) But, hey, life. Income. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And also, it's, it's a job that I that I really enjoy. So normally I don't work on the weekends or sorry, normally I don't write on the weekends. And I also don't really write in the evenings, even when I was in graduate school, even when I was writing book number one. But right now I'm kind of forced to extend my office hours a bit and to do my job work and my writing work um, every day, which means sometimes I'm I'm writing till like seven Mm because I'll write for a few hours after work or something. And I'll write for a few hours on Saturday and a few hours on Sunday, which I normally wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, that's just kind of where I'm at. But I'm still putting boundaries. Like, I'm not writing all day Saturday. I'm writing for a few hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that to me is the bigger principle here is saying, like, here's my writing time. And I think it's important as you get to the end stage not to think the more hours, the better. Oh, my because gosh, no. just by adding more hours doesn't mean you're going to write more. Right. In fact, the opposite can be true. <laughs> and especially at the end of a project because mm-hmm. excessive hours at the end of a project is more dangerous than at the beginning because A, you can't afford to get burned out if you have a deadline. B, you are already exhausted. You're more exhausted mentally now than you were when you first started. Um, And C, you just don't really have the time. I mean, this is a time crunch and you need to have things balanced so that you can make it to the to the end of the time crunch. So what's the strategy that uh, that you could share, Sarah? So number three, think about the length of time until your finish line and think about what you can reasonably postpone or outsource or stop. So for instance, some things you can just say, well, for a week, I'm just going to eat takeout or that kind of thing. But you can't do that for six weeks. I mean, you probably shouldn't do that for six weeks. Um, just be, just speaking so, for myself, I shouldn't do that for six weeks. <laughs> or um, you can't postpone your laundry forever, but you can wait to take your winter dry cleaning uh, for a length yeah. of time. I, and I know those are kind of mundane things. But if you are doing a lot of household work or family care, um, it can be easy to think, well, I just have to keep doing those things when maybe you can outsource for a few weeks, or maybe you can postpone things for a few weeks. Maybe you're going to cancel all your social commitments for a few weeks and just say, well, for these few weeks, I'm just not going to have my usual coffee dates. And that's okay. Yeah, Sarah, in the episode notes, Sarah has, you can cancel all social commitments for a few days, but not a few weeks. And I'm like, uh, yes, you can. If you're an <laughs> introvert, you can. <laughs> Points at self. So so know yourself and know what is healthy for you and what's important for you. And, you know, I, I bet you're not actually canceling every single social commitment. Um, and, and you do live with the person. So you're not like 
hold up like a hermit for several weeks and not seeing anybody. So, you know, you have to know your own circumstance and like what can you reasonably do or not do given yeah. your Yeah, I mean, this line. is kind of like the Eisenhower matrix where you group tasks in terms of you rate how urgent they are and how important they are. Um, mm-hmm. And what you're essentially doing is just deciding what's either not important or not urgent or both. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know what you can postpone yeah. or get around for mm-hmm. the time and being. And that really depends on the length of time. Because if you're looking at two months versus two weeks, like, you know, you can – right a big shift in what's important and urgent in that length of time. Right. So strategy number four is incorporate fun. So you have to make sure that you're getting some fun time in, whatever that means to you. Hint, writing is as fun as it is, should not be your main source of fun if you are also spending a lot of working time writing, or if you're if if you're in a crunch time with writing, you should have something besides writing something that's also else. fun. Yes. <laughs> um, so for here are some examples. Like one thing I just did is I uh last night I downloaded some game apps onto my tablet and I played solitaire for I don't know, half hour half hour or something, um, before getting ready for bed. And I'm kind of thinking, oh, maybe every week or every month I want to try a new game, like try to master a new game. That's um, a, so that's that my, strategy. Yeah, to kind of keep my brain elastic and whatever. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Or maybe you have board games at home. I mean, maybe that's a social commitment. Like, oh, let's have a game night or something. My husband and I played a board game last week. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the point here is you need to be doing something where you're kind of – your mind isn't thinking about how much time is passing. Your mind isn't thinking about – your project. So maybe going for a walk is fun. Maybe cooking is fun for you. Um, there's all sorts of things, but the point is you, you need to be doing a little bit of fun, ideally on a daily basis, mm-hmm. even if it's yeah. just for 15 or 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So strategy number five is finishing writing tasks. Um, this is also known as the just do it principle. <laughs> <laughs> also known as keep your beep in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, and this this actually might appear to contradict other um, strategies that we've just mentioned. But basically, now more than ever, it's important that you finish whatever task it is that you set out to do in a particular working session. So that might be writing a chapter section. It might be editing a whole chapter. It might be editing footnotes for the book. Whatever that is, whatever you set out to do, um, I obviously it should be realistic, but try try as best as you can to finish it within that work session. When I'm in the more beginning phases of my project, um, I'll, you know, I'll set out to do something, but if I don't finish it in that time period, I'll just give myself a break and say, okay, I'll pick it up tomorrow. I'll leave it on the back burner, whatever. But I think that in the end stage, you really just need to finish it, even if that means spending an extra 15 or 20 minutes more than what you intended. And the reason is, obviously, there's a time crunch. So you just can't really afford to keep passing the buck forward or putting things on the back burner. But more importantly, you sort of need the psychological momentum that's created when you know you've finished something. I picture like a manuscript in this phase as that scene in Gulliver's Travels where he's like tied down by all these little strings because there's all sorts of like loose ends that are holding the manuscript down in its into its rough draft phase. And every time you finish one of those tasks, it's been cutting one of those strings and you can feel that lightness emerge over time where 
the 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 more you move forward, you can feel your manuscript sort of rising off your desk and slowly, you know, making its Taking way flight. to your editors, <laughs> to your editor's inbox. But you need that feeling. You need that feeling uh, so that you can remind yourself you actually are finishing this thing. This is a really big mental shift, a big shift in your creative practice from the beginning of a project, because oftentimes at the beginning, you want to not finish something so that when you come back the next day or your next writing session, you know where you're going and you can just get right back into writing, especially when you're generating something creatively. A lot of times people like to give themselves breadcrumbs to start in the next place and not just say, well, I finished this thing. And then the next time they come and have to like be like, oh, now I have to start something from the ground up. Mm hmm. At this phase of writing, at the later phase of writing, uh, you have all those little strings. You aren't necessarily, I mean, hopefully not generating like whole chapters from the ground up. You, you're you doing a lot of closure. And that's work that oftentimes can be done and finished and should be done and finished and not left uh, for the next time. Exactly. And another shift that occurs is, you know, in the beginning stage, messiness is good. It's good to get a little messy with your ideas. It's good to experiment. And in this phase, you really want to curtail the messiness. This isn't a time to take experimental tangents. It's not a time to wax poetic about something that really just needs to be stated clearly and move on. Um, this is a time to gather all of your resources and harness them and just do it. Just get the thing done. It's better than you think it is. Strategy number six is embrace the good in the panic. And I think Oftentimes, when we come to a finish line, our brains get really, really focused. And the upside of this is that you can get some really wonderful writing time in because you're really focused. Would that all of our writing time were like this. Yeah. Something happens when you like, when you know that that deadline is coming, which is like this strange calm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And your brain is just like, oh, I got it. You can trust me. I got it. Or, well, that's not how I experience it, actually. (laughs) That's all I experience. My, in my brain, it's like this slow mo. Oh crap! Um, <laughs> uh, I love the quote from Samuel Johnson, which is pretty much my mantra right now. It it goes, "Depend on it, sir. When a man knows he is to be hanged in a fortnight, it concentrates his mind wonderfully." So I, <laughs> I feel like when there's a deadline coming, I'm about to die, oh, and. No. <laughs> We're so different. I'm like, embrace the good and the panic. And you're like, I'm going to (laughs) die. I'm going to die. But uh, that too brings its own kind of clarity. And you start cutting out the BS, to use a phrase from your one of your other podcasts, cutting out the BS and um, maybe not embracing the good, but just embracing like the clarity and getting your mind together for once and really just getting it done. I'm glad to know my one of my other podcasts has made such a, <laughs> our byline, our tagline has made such an impression on you. <laughs> Cut out the BS and embrace the good. <laughs> so Nicole, what's number seven? So strategy number seven is don't make your stress the topic of conversation among non-writers right now. I mean, my personal approach is don't, in general, don't make writing the topic of conversation, like the topic of small talk with non-writers. Mm-hmm. And, and here's why. First of all, if they're not, if they've never written a book, they're not going to be able to help you. And they're not going to be able to like empathize with you in the way that you're probably looking for. They're not, and I don't want to sound arrogant here. It's just, this is like with any industry, they're not really going to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But they're, yeah. but the thing with writing is, you know, as opposed to if you're talking about engineering related stress or 
I don't know. Medical doctor. <laughs> Medical doctor stress. People want to get what it's like to write a mm-hmm. book. Uh, it's Writing a book has a really mystical quality for a yes. lot of people. So they're going to start asking all these questions. And and pe- these are your friends, so they're curious and they want what's best for you mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's, there's yeah, nothing wrong you. with that. But they're going to start asking these questions. And before you know it, you're going to be talking shop for hours. And this is a time when when you're not writing, when you're not in that seat, you need to not be thinking about writing. You've already done the heavy lifting of your book. You're past the sort of imaginative phase where it's nice to have these dreamy conversations about what your book is going to be like. You just need to not be thinking about when you're not working. You need to give your mind a break. Um, another thing that I, that I'm, I've known this for years, but it's taken a long time for me to just put into practice is the more you make writing the topic of your conversation, particularly when you're stressed, you become known as the person who's always stressed about writing. Oh yeah, she's mm. the writer. She's like she's always working on a book. She's always stressed. People don't say that, but you you can start to feel that vibe where conversations start by people like, "How's your book going?" Yeah. <laughs> and so I mean, I'm actually really trying to conscientiously my temptation is to bring it up because I want to vent or whatever. And for the last few years, especially this book project, it's like I really make an effort to, I'll mention that I'm, you know, writing a book and a lot of my friends know or they've even read sections of it. But as soon as they ask, I just make a joke and pivot and change the subject. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I have a friend and a colleague who I work really closely with in the organization that my day job is is with. And the other day, she just emailed our, emailed all the staff and was like, oh, my book was just published. Feel free to share it. I never knew she was writing a book. She oh, never wow. once mentioned it. And I don't know if that was intentional, but, uh, you know, here I've been complaining ad nauseum about, about my book related stress. And she just like went and published. And it's a real book. It's a real publisher. It's really good. I've already read like the first chapter of it. Um, wow. so I don't know if, I don't know if that's intentional. And I don't know if I, if going to that extreme is like for me, but it really made I- me think. To me, this feels like a big difference in personality and the way you experience stress in the world and how you process feelings and um, the kinds of people that you want to talk about things with. So like I tend to um, like like my husband is not a writer and I'll talk with him about like my feelings, but I don't usually talk about like book related problems. Like I'm trying to figure this out conceptually. Like I might say something, but it's not really. You don't talk about the content. Yeah, not not so much. Um, whereas I do have some friends who are not writers, but who are very involved in the in the intellectual world that I'm working with, and they're fantastic to talk with as I'm developing ideas because they like I can process things with them. And these are these are you know friends of long standing. Nicole, you would be one of them, although you're a writer. Where it's just like, oh, let's let's talk through these things and really figure out what's going on, and just articulating something in a safe space helps me figure it out. Um, but I think a lot of this is about like know who you're with. And what you need and how you can respect your friendships, your relationships. And I mean, there's a lot of negotiation going on here. I think that this leads into strategy number eight. Do you want to pick that up? Oh, sure. Yeah. I think that one important thing to do as you're getting to a deadline is to call in the reinforcements, which means tell the people close to you what's going on. And if possible, if you're able to figure it out, what you need from them. And hopefully the people close to you are able to say like, you know, I can pick up 
pick up some of your burden, um, especially if you have relational commitments, household commitments, family commitments. People people are often really willing to come and help you and make things happen. And I'm thinking sometimes like my dear mother has like really helped me with childcare at certain points, like when mm-hmm. I was finishing my doctorate, because I was like... I, I do have to get this done. And this is a massive emotional load after years of work. And she just really picked up the burden for me and just, you know, did a lot of childcare. I had an infant at the time. And, you know, and she wouldn't necessarily have known that or other people close to me wouldn't necessarily have realized what was going on if I didn't explicitly say, like, Mm -hmm. I have to do this. This is emotionally big for me, but also just the time commitment is huge to get this done. For sure. I... Yeah, I totally agree with that. Although for me, it, it works best if I keep that sort of a small and intimate group. Oh, oh yeah. I'm, I'm not talking about like a – yeah, yeah, I'm definitely talking about a like small Like your, your inner circle because um, – People who even, are going to love you even if you're freaking out, you know? <laughs> if you let too many people into that circle, like keeping those people in the loop in and of itself then can become a source That's, of stress. Yeah. Because once mm-hmm. they know you need their help, then they're like, oh, you know, you, you have to mm-hmm. sort of – keep them in the loop in a way that maybe mm-hmm. you wouldn't before. Yeah. I think, and I think part of what I'm thinking of here is how sometimes we know we need something, but we aren't sure what that can look like. So people in our household or people in our very close relationships might want to help, but they don't necessarily know what that could be. For sure. Yeah. And sometimes helping is, um, please leave me alone and don't expect me mm-hmm. to come to <laughs> yeah or just don't dinners. expect some emotion don't expect more emotional labor from me because i just i can't give it right now and yeah i think, I think like being able to say that helps relationships so people don't think that you're being cold with them right so strategy number nine and i've talked about this in previous episodes um is headspace and meditation and prayer well headspace is the app i use to meditate because i can't I go nuts when I try to meditate by myself. Um, <laughs> Good self knowledge, right there. Yeah, it's. I've really been double doubling down on on both meditation and prayer, and it is very grounding. And um, like I'm Eastern Orthodox, and so there's a prayer that we have. It's just it's more of like a mantra that you can go back to, and it's like it doesn't require any creative energy. Um, it's called the Jesus Prayer. If you want to look it up, or I'll I'll put it in a link. But it's a really easy thing to go back to in your mind. And it really helps me keep the anxiety at bay. It helps keep a sense of calm in my mind. Um, It helps me quell the irritability that has been sort of coming up as I've been writing this book. I'll talk a bit more about that in the update. But it just, in general, helps me keep a sense of calm so that I don't feel like my writing is, you know, the the whole world depends on it or something because it doesn't. Strategy number 10, our last strategy is have a touchstone, a way to keep seeing the forest and not just the trees. And in a recent episode, I talked about reading my book synopsis and chapter outline every single day to keep the forest in mind and not just get lost in the trees. And that is brilliant, by the way, it's a brilliant suggestion. And I've been doing that. Oh, great. Not, not every day, but like a few times a week. And it's brilliant. I, I feel like that doesn't have to be the touchstone, but figure out something that helps you see the big picture of your project because it is so easy to just be like, I have to polish this sentence perfectly and not have a big sense of what you're actually doing in your project. Maybe it's a burn chart. Maybe it's just a checklist of here are the things that I have to do that is all laid out on a whiteboard or just something to help you 
get the big sense of what you're doing and not focus in too much on the granular. Yeah. I think another touchstone could be connecting with your why. Um, Michael Hyatt Mm -hmm. talks a lot about this. I listened to his podcast with his daughter. But, you know, why are you putting yourself through this? What's the Mm -hmm. bigger purpose? Yeah. Um, You know, for me, like the book that I'm writing is like a very difficult book to write on on an emotional level. It's difficult. And um, so the last few weeks, I've been reminding myself that the reason I'm doing this is because this this book needs to be written. There's in in my niche, this topic hasn't ever been addressed meaningfully. And there's a lot of people out there who struggle with the same things I do. Um, So I'm serving them. And that's my why. And so every time I feel like, you know, why am I, why am I like putting myself through this excruciating mm-hmm. mess? Yeah. That's why. And it's going to be worth it in the end to have, to be able to foster that sense of community and know that I've um, hopefully, you know, helped other people by sharing the things that I've learned and thought about with them. So Sarah, let's do a quick recap. 10 strategies to stay sane in the end stage of a massive project. Strategy one, 10 to the basics. Food, water, sleep, showers, etc. Strategy two, adopt a nine to five or similar mentality whenever possible. Strategy three, think about the length of time and what you can reasonably postpone, outsource, or stop. Strategy four, incorporate fun. Strategy five, finish writing tasks during each work session. And I'll take the last five. Number six, embrace the good in the panic. Number seven, don't make your stress the topic of conversation among non-writers. Number eight, call in reinforcements if possible. Number nine, meditate, pray, something to keep your mind quiet. And number 10, have a touchstone to help you see the forest and not just the trees. So that's it. 10 ways to stay sane when finishing a massive writing project. So how do you stay sane when you have a finish line or a deadline approaching. We'd love to hear. Let's keep the conversation going in our Facebook, in the Writing on Wednesdays Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Or you can contact us via Nicole's website, NicoleRocas.com, where our show notes live. Okay, Sarah, so now we've come to Tips and Tools, the part of the show where we talk about building better writing systems one small step at a time. And that last strategy that you mentioned, having a touchstone, is kind of a perfect lead-in to the tip and tool you're going to be sharing with us today. Yes, I added something really important to my phone's home screen to help me keep my commitment to read my book synopsis and chapter outline every day. I added a Google Doc to my home screen, and it is just the synopsis and chapter outline. And it's really easy to do on an Android if you go to a Google Drive. Um, Not so much the Docs, but on Google Drive, at least on my phone, it's really easy to add to the home screen. Um, And it doesn't have to be a Google Doc on the home screen. It could be like a note or other way to pin it to your home screen. But that's what I see when I open up my my phone. I see a document that says, read me. And I, re- I read it. And there's my chapter outline. There's my book synopsis right there, right on my home screen. This is a really helpful strategy for me, in part because I don't always open up my laptop every day. I don't always turn on my computer. But I do always have my phone with me. So I'm able to keep my touchstone going. I'm able to keep seeing the forest uh, I'm able to keep seeing the forest regardless of what I have going on on a particular day because I always have my phone around. That's really helpful. And um, the great part about Google Docs is like you can make that document available offline. So when you're commuting or on your lunch break somewhere where there, where you don't have data or internet, um, you can just do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like if 
you know, this doesn't have to be about a something as long as a book synopsis and chapter summaries, but it could also just be like adding your mantra to the homepage where it's the wallpaper on your homepage of your phone. If you're going to look at something all the time, like make it, make it something useful. And now we've come to the update where we each share where we've been lately and where we're planning to go in our writing lives. Sarah, why don't you start us off? I've been doing a lot of fun book-related stuff lately. I've been doing a comparative book analysis. I just went to a bookstore and ordered a bunch of things. I've been doing a lot of planning. Uh, I've also been really working on polishing my book synopsis. I expanded it from like, you know, 250 words to 500 words, something like that. And a lot of massaging going on there, a lot of like, this really needs to be exactly right, exactly crisp and polished. So I've been working on that a lot. And I've also been doing a lot of planning. I'm still in the planning phase for my full-time job as a musician. So I've been doing a lot of planning for that for the next program year. And I've been doing a lot of blog planning. I did my editorial calendar through the end of the summer, which it sounds like more than it sounds like more than it is because I planned basically half the posts and figured I'll figure out the rest of them as it comes along. I feel like that's a balance of keeping room for play and serendipity while also like, you know, I need to plan ahead and I can't just fly right. by the seat of my pants. Right. So that's what I've been up to lately. How about you, Cole? Um, well, my update is please shoot me now. Um, <laughs> I'm just joking. But <laughs> gallows humor, gallows humor. Um, no, really, I, you know, I, I love deadlines. Time. Yeah, and I, I think I just have more of like a, how would I put this? Um, I just have more of an epic relationship to deadlines than, uh, than other people, which is like, I know I complain and I get really dramatic about it and it probably to other people, it does sound like I'm dying, but in my mind somehow that's like I'm dying (laughs) repeatedly. (laughs) Somehow all of this is just just my quirks of like how I stay in the game and how I just um, relate to deadlines, you know? So I, I really am heading into the home stretch. Of course, I am nowhere near where I want to be. I always envision that when the deadline is this close, I'm going to be calm, cool and collected and like have my manuscript more or less finished. And I'm just dotting I's and crossing T's. That's never how it is Mm, right now. I'm supposedly editing one chapter uh, per week and finishing writing a different chapter. So kind of, you know, switching off in my writing work time between writing and editing. Um, finishing writing ideally is, is more like, uh, right now for me, developmental editing, just pulling a bunch of chaotic material that I've already drafted together into a composite. But really, this is complete and utter chaos. Like that's my plan, but it feels a lot more chaotic and I'm not even finishing these things as quickly as I want to. But again, this is how I roll. Um, especially right now, because I, I do, I just recently took another job. Uh, so I just have to kind of, you know, accept that and, and Mm -hmm. try to enjoy it. This is part of the wonderful thing of having done this before. Like as you're knowing yourself better as a writer, you don't have to be afraid of this kind of thing because it's like, Oh, Hello, end of the project. I've been, I've done this before. I know this. I know this right. game. Right. And I know it will happen in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know exactly how it's going to happen. I don't know if I intend the manuscript to be on time, but when, you know, I'm, I, I don't know. Um, but I know it will get in very nearly on time. And uh, that's another reason why I don't make writing the topic of my conversation when I'm in this kind of mentality is because I don't actually need to complain and I don't actually mm-hmm. need to vent. I just need to do it and know that it's going to be done. Um, I think one thing I've been struggling with the last week or two is like a huge amount of irritability. And I don't know if anyone mm. else, I would be curious to know if other people have experienced this at the end of their writing projects. I personally never really have. But I've been really, really crabby. It's lifted a bit this week, but like last week and the week before, I was just insanely crabby about everything and to almost anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, now I think part of it might is other stress, but I also think I would be handling that stress a lot better if I weren't working on a book, specifically a book that has been very difficult for me to write emotionally and has really made me ask some hard questions about the way people have treated me in the past, um, to a lesser extent, the way I've treated other people and just really ask some, some difficult questions and face some situations that have actually made me angry. Um, this is so but, much about emotional labor and like you only can right. do so much and you're doing so much emotional labor to write the book that you're doing. You're a person. You can't, yeah. you can't do more than you can do. Which is ironic because the chapters in my book are centered on the five stages of grief. <laughs> oh. Anger is a stage of grief. Um, so I'm like, you know, I'm like, why am I so angry all the time? Let's, oh, maybe. let's go write about anger. Um, and I'm like, oh, wait, maybe I'm grieving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, so anyway, luckily, like I said, this has started to lift. Uh, and I, I've just been really doubling down on prayer and meditation and that's helped. And also just like getting some distance. But another thing that's helped is last week, late last week, I sent out a survey or questionnaire for my book to sample an audience group. Um, I wanted to hear their, their feedback on some things that I was tackling. And, um, because I'm not really publicizing the survey that much, I haven't gotten a lot of hits, but the ones who have, responded have just given me a huge amount of motivation and inspiration. Oh, good. Um, it's been awesome hearing from them and realizing that, you know what, this book does need to be written because I'm mm-hmm. not the only one who has had these experiences. And um, there's, there's a clear need for this book. And that has been super helpful. It's kind of softened my rough edges and my attitude a bit and uh, allowed me to kind of come back to the table with with a stronger why. And that's it for this week's installment of Writing on Wednesdays. You can find show notes at writingonwednesdays.com and look for episode 17. And Sarah, since I mentioned my uh, my mother-in-law making me fried calamari during my dissertation, maybe we should include a really good recipe for fried calamari. Oh, How fun. does that sound? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay, so I'll put that in there. And... Uh, Next week, I will be hosting The Middle Sode, and I'll be talking about how I wrote my forthcoming book on my tablet. Oh, cool. So if you are enjoying writing on Wednesdays, please share this show with your writer friends. And if you'd like to connect with other writers like you, join our Facebook group by searching for Writing on Wednesdays. Until next Wednesday, happy writing. Happy writing. Happy writing.